Did you know there was a free five-part podcast series all about classroom management? In this series, learn how I went from using traditional classroom management strategies without a lot of success to becoming a behavior detective. Discover how I help children with root cause of their behavior issues instead of just addressing the behavior itself. If you want to take a listen to this new series, just check the show notes. You're listening to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast, the podcast for quick, actionable ideas and tips to help you up your confidence and joy in educating little learners. I'm your host, Ashley Rives. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast. This is episode 18. And today I'm sharing with you five winter fine motor activities that we love. So I don't know if you've been seeing it in your classroom, but I have definitely been seeing this downward trend of fine motor skill competency. It Maybe it's the rise of technology with our preschoolers, but I'm finding that they really know how to use that swiping finger, but some of the other fingers just aren't as strong. And so this has led me to try to bring in more fine motor activities than I ever have needed to in the past. And while I'm sure there could be a ton of different contributing factors as to why this might be an issue, when they come to me, it is now um, something for me to solve, something for me to try to put more into our day to help children build those muscles so that when they are working on writing or holding a writing utensil or scissors and the open shut motion of scissors, that their hands are ready and they're strong and they feel capable and able to do the task without a ton of frustration. And so since I know some of you are in this same boat of needing to be more intentional with bringing fine motor activities into your classroom outside of all of the things you already have going on in your classroom, I thought I would share some um, of our favorite activities. And these are winter activities, but they can also be changed to any season to try to keep these activities fresh exciting, a little bit of new inside the already existing fine motor task. So let's go ahead and get started. One of the absolutely most favorite activity of my students when it comes to fine motor is hole punching, but it is super important that you start with a reduced effort hole punch. And I got one off Amazon and If you start with the hard hole punch, the normal hole punch, this will not be as satisfying and as exciting for them to do because it is super frustrating. So the reduced effort makes it a lot easier and they are doing that open and shut motion a ton of times when they're making a ton of holes. And so something I like to do is just give them a strip of paper and that they can make their own holes Or if I want to work on some hand-eye coordination, I give them a target, like a sticker or a clip art to punch. So for winter, I have a strip with a whole bunch of mittens on it, and they see if they can punch in the middle of each of those mittens. And so you can make things even smaller to really try to hone in on that target, but it makes it a little bit more fun than just... um, doing a random sheet of paper. Although we do start with just a plain sheet of paper and let them explore 
that reduced effort hole punch, then move to something with a target so that they can um, really start fine tuning that that um, hand motion. And you'll be surprised at how much they absolutely love this. Now, when the reduced effort gets way too easy, you can start moving on to, you know, a regular hole punch, but this may be some time. Hole punching with a reduced effort hole puncher has been seriously one of the favorite things that my kids do. And I really need to just like invest in a whole class set, but they are not, they're not super, super cheap. So for now we have one. (laughs) Another activity that I think children find very satisfying is hole poking, not to be confused with hole punching. So for this activity, you need some cardboard pieces, which, you know, hello, Amazon boxes, just cut those up into some squares and some paper and some golf tees. Now you can cut paper, um, just a normal size piece of paper into force, that'll work. And so you place the paper on top of the cardboard piece and then they can poke holes in the paper with the golf tee. So golf tee is pretty safe um, compared to maybe a push pin and bigger, um, a little bit easier for students to hold at first, but then later, you know, obviously you can move to a push pin if you feel like your children are ready, but golf tees are a great starting point. So you can do this with plain paper or you can add dots or like little chart stickers or some clip art to focus in on that fine motor work. So really working those hand-eye coordination of trying to get that golf tee to try to poke right where they want it. And then the actual poke of through the paper and cardboard kind of makes this fun little sound. And so it's a little satisfying in that sense and then they try to poke all of the targets on the paper. And to make this winter themed or any theme, um, I have a simple winter shape like a mitten. And so they poke around the outside of it. And so then when they hold up the paper, when they're done, they can see the light shining through, which is kind of fun. So mine basically have like circles that are just plain black, and that's where they poke. Obviously, the bigger the circle, the easier the target, and the smaller that it gets, the harder it can be. So lots of great fine motor practice there. The third fine motor activity that I find my preschoolers going to a lot are paths. So it's kind of like a maze, but it's without the frustration because they're not getting lost and they're not having to find a different way. We're not really wanting to work necessarily on the problem solving of that. We are really just wanting them to stay inside a path. And so it basically has a starting point and an ending point, and it is not a maze. So we like to go ahead and laminate these so that they can use them over and over again and use a dry erase marker. And then I buy these like small face scrubber pads from like the Dollar Tree as an eraser. And so the paths can be thematic or seasonal and they're very easy to change up because you can just put like a sticker at the beginning point and at the end point, um, they could do them backwards, right? There's really no right way to do them. Just trying to stay within the path. Obviously the wider your path is, the easier it's going to be and the skinnier it becomes, the harder it's going to be. I have a clip art at the end of both my paths. So maybe the polar bear, you know, is trying to get to a cup of hot chocolate So they start at the polar bear and end at the hot chocolate and try to stay on the path as best as possible. So those are fun because they kind of have that maze feel. They have this ending point so they know when they're finished and they can look back and be proud. But they also, when you laminate them, can be reused many, many times. So 
great one there as well. The fourth activity is shape cutting, but we're doing this in a more simple way because cutting out shapes isn't an easy task. So it's important that we scaffold this activity as much as possible. Children love to cut and when they are ready to start moving past the snipping and um, just straight lines, we can move them to more shapes. And so to make it more engaging, I like to place a clip art image or you could use a sticker inside the shape. It kind of gives this them this thing that they're they're looking to cut out. Instead of just cutting out a square, they are cutting out this polar bear. And then it's something that they can, you know, take with them if they really want to. I also like to make sure that they don't have a lot of excess paper to contend with, to try to hold on to. And so I usually take a piece of regular paper, cut it in fours, and then use that four to have the line, the cutting lines on and the character or the sticker or whatever it is that they um, are cutting out. So to be clear, they're cutting out a square, but to them, they're cutting out this polar bear because he's inside of the square. They're not yet going to be able to cut out the polar bear because he's very intense. He's got ears, you know, he's got all these different shapes on his body, but they can cut out a square and then they have this piece of paper that has this polar bear on it. So making it a little more um, exciting and engaging for them than just cutting out a square. The last thing I like to do when scaffolding, cutting out shapes is to create a line from the edge of the paper. So they kind of know where to start because if you have this little piece of paper and it's got this square, how do I get my scissors into that square? And so it would look like a square with one of the sides being longer and going off the edge of the page. So you can show them that this is how you get into the inside of the paper to cut the square. The last activity is bead work. So small beads can really equal some serious fine motor work. Beads aren't just for bracelets anymore. So I'm talking pony beads mainly because they are big enough, but yet small enough. But if you're working with younger children, you might want to bump this up to some like wood beads or things that they cannot choke on. Obviously you're going to be right there, but um, keeping that in mind, but we use pony beads in my pre-K classroom and it works out really well. So they are going to have the pony beads and then they have a mat of where they're going to place the pony beads. Now I don't really ever use like little pinchers or little tweezers to have them do this activity because I think it would be far too frustrating. I just have them use their fingers. And if you think about it, there is not an easy way to whole hand a a pony bead. You're going to have to use just some of your fingers. So this naturally has them trying to use that pincher grass to pick these up. And so what they do after they pick them up is they transfer them over to the mat and there are circles on the mat for them to match them up to. So then they're kind of filling in the picture that's on there with the beads. So let's say it's a sled. And so then they have these pony beads and there's dots on the sled of where they need to fill in the beads. So once it all comes together, it looks like you've added in the missing pieces. You filled in the white circles with the beads just a way to get them to start picking up those beads, using that pentagrasp, transferring them over, using some hand-eye coordination to try to get their beads onto the mat. Now, less targets on the mat for a bead is going to be less of a challenge and can be less frustrating because if they do bump that card, then the beads can fly, fly off. So I don't like to put like a ton of target circles for them to match the beads onto because If they were to bump it, it would be super frustrating. 
And sometimes that activity can just be too long. So many times, you know, it's just just a handful of beads for them to match onto the mat. If you are more of a visual person like me and you want to see pictures of these activities, head on over to the show notes because I have a blog post where you can go and see these activities in action through photos. I also want to tell you a little bit about how I present and store and change out these fine motor activities that looks a little bit different than just placing the activity out on a table or out on a tray. Now, you certainly could use trays for this. These would be great tray tasking activities, but I found that a lot of the pieces are very small, and so keeping track of them and constantly going and finding what I need in different places um, it just was more, you know, work on me. So I have been using a set of photo card boxes. I got it from the craft store. They're like four by six little boxes. They're pretty shallow. And there's 16 of these little boxes that come in this bigger box. And this has helped me store. And I also present them this way too. So I can take one of the little photo boxes out of the big set that maybe I want to work on with a child open that up and it already has everything in it. It has any cards in it. It has any um, tools that they may need in it. And it's all right there. So that makes it easier for me because it's already prepped and done. And then also it becomes a little more independent because children can start to choose their own and everything is inside it for them. If you want a more in-depth look at how I use boxes in conjunction with kid-friendly directions and task cards, head on over to the show notes at lovelycommotion.com slash episode 18. Thanks for listening. And I'm wishing you a lovely day. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend. This helps me spread the word and help more preschool teachers just like you. Keep being lovely. Lovely.